Welcome to Changemakers with me, Katrina Oliphant, a new podcast series brought to you by Chrome Radio in collaboration with the Monthly Barometer. Changemakers was inspired by a series of conversations I had this autumn at the Monthly Barometer's Summit of Minds in Chamonix. The Summit of Minds gatherings bring together individuals from across business, finance, politics, academia, and the arts for a weekend of walking and talking and roundtable discussions. Each time I go, I leave fizzing with ideas, inspired by the people I have met and the conversations I have had. What struck me about this year's encounters was how many people were involved in exciting ventures for bringing about positive change in different aspects of our lives in our relationship with the environment, with our fellow human beings, and in our quality of life. Changemakers bringing rays of hope to these dark times. In this series, they share their vision, their journey, and the challenges along the way. Our first changemaker is Ellen Vindemut, founder and supervisory board chair of the Water Bear Network, home to award-winning documentaries, series, and short films, and the first interactive streaming platform devoted to protecting the future of our planet. Now, over to Ellen to tell us how a background in documentary production and distribution led her to start Water Bear. I'm actually speaking to you from a small village north of Amsterdam with a cat on my lap that may be disrupting your audio because he is purring. Sorry for that. The thing that inspired me to start Water Bear actually began about 12 years ago when I was running a documentary production and distribution company called Off the Fence. At the time, we had eight offices all around the world and we were making, financing, developing, producing, selling documentaries to, I guess, about 3,000 broadcasters all over the world. On the side, someone asked me to make an impact documentary. The impact documentary was going to be about the nine different ecosystems of Colombia in an effort to make a film about Colombia that was so beautiful that it would facilitate the talks between the Colombian government and the FARC. Once I got into that with my then head of production, Alison Bean, we discovered there's a whole world to making documentaries that actually have a long life doing good afterwards. So then I became hooked and it confronted me really with the system I was working in at Off the Fence, which was that repeatedly when we wanted to include information about climate change or when we wanted to include advice about how to mitigate loss of biodiversity, because we did a lot of natural history, we were told, no, you can't say that because broadcasters will not rate it or advertisers won't like it. So we were all about making things that advertisers liked or were predicted to like by the commissioning editors or things that broadcasters felt would rate. That was so limiting. And after that experience in Colombia, I started a whole tranche of documentary development and production that did only impact documentaries. And I discovered, of course, I had to finance them in a completely different way. This culminated in my sitting one day with Craig Foster in his living room. And Craig Foster is the man who is the main character in the film, My Octopus Teacher. 
Craig had just been through this terrible adrenal fatigue from having been filming under very dangerous circumstances to go for a broadcasters to get these so-called money shots filming under the surface of the Okavango in caves to film crocodiles in 3D from about two meters away. And they'd been making him do that for about three years. We just sat there and we thought, what the hell are we doing? Here is Craig, completely shaken and unable to work from all the pressure to get all these ridiculous shots. And here's me having put more than 20 years into documentaries that are in a way censored because people don't trust that the public can handle information about climate change or loss of biodiversity. So that led us to a very simple thing, which is what if we started our own network? And what if this network didn't care about how long a film is, but it cared about whether you're telling the right story at the right length? And what if this network was based on genuine research and a measured view and inspirational information? That's kind of how we came up with the Water Bear Network. And we decided to call it the Water Bear Network because the water bear, also called the tardigrade, is one of the most resilient animals in the world. A little tardigrade can withstand nuclear radiation, can live on the bottom of the ocean. They've been spilled to form a colony on the moon. It was an accidental spill, but they are apparently living on the moon. And you can leave them in the desert and their DNA will crumble and they'll dry out. But if you go back a year later, two years later, and just add water, they come back to life. <laughs> In a way, I thought, that's just like us documentary filmmakers. That's just like people who are working on impact. That's just like people who work at NGOs, because we're all navigating really difficult rapids, but somehow we remain indestructible. The basic concept of Water Bear was, let's have a digital network that is ubiquitous, that you can find on every device. And in order for it to be thoroughly differentiated from these massive streaming companies that are really there to bind you to your chair and make you binge view lots of terrible series on true crime or teen dramas, let's make it so interactive so that everything you watch, you can do something about while you are watching. So you don't have to stop watching. You can actually watch and then donate to the NGO that's behind the project, or you can communicate on social media, you can share. So it's definitely not a streaming service. It is a global digital publishing company. That's how we see it. It's an impact publisher. To describe the content on Water Bear, it ranges from long form to very short form. My octopus teacher didn't make it onto Water Bear because films like My Octopus Teacher that need to be refinanced, which I had to at the time for the people that had extended themselves, they end up getting all their rights sold. And so My Octopus Teacher is now exclusively on Netflix, which is in a way exactly why we started Water Bear, because everything we put on Water Bear is non-exclusive. The filmmakers and the NGOs that are participating in the films and also the brands that in some cases are helping to finance the films get to use the films for any purpose they need, be that to raise funding for the NGO program or be that for the brand to inspire and focus their employees on the issue that they are embracing and backing. I have lots and lots of favorite films on Water Bear, but I thought 
A really brave example was a film we acquired called Slay, where a former fashionista, a wonderful woman, decided one day to tour the world and see how high fashion brands use animals in their products. And what she discovered takes a lot of bravery to talk about because it was also the first film she ever directed and it makes you think completely differently about leather. I've never thought the same way about anything I see that is made of leather. So I think that is a fantastic effort. We love to support first-time filmmakers. We love to support filmmakers from the global south, people who have not had that voice. But in the same vein, we also really wanted to support this very brave Corsican woman who said, what the hell? From a big career in fashion, I'm just now going to go make a film. So we need these disruptors on Water Bear. We need to source our stories correctly. And the place to source our stories is really NGOs who are stuck in the middle of the field. These NGOs very often don't have a big communications budget. So we set up partnerships with about 140 NGOs worldwide, and we're still adding to these. We see these NGOs as our story partners. We see these NGOs as the places where donations, definitely donations, need to go. We hope through our Water Bear films to inspire viewers to discover their passion and maybe join one of the NGOs or maybe volunteer. There are all these things you can do by having this axis between we tell stories, we have the tech and we're linked with NGOs and we know what they're working on. I think that's absolutely paramount to the authenticity that Water Bear has to have. And on the other side, investors, like always, want a durable financial model. And therefore, we work with brands, not too many, actually really special ones, who help us financially to create stories, never just to make that really clear, not in a product placement where the products are never even mentioned in the films. We simply predicate the films and the projects we do with brands on the values that we share with the values that the brands want to focus on. I also need to add that I thought for a long, long time with my team at the time, what should our stories be about? What values should our stories be about? And we very quickly settled on the UN Sustainable Development Goals because Water Bear as an app and on a number of free ad-supported channels it's found in about 192 countries, and the UN has only a few more members than that. But these UN Sustainable Development Goals are the one set of values that literally every UN country could agree upon. So predicating the storytelling and the NGOs we work with on these values is really, really helpful. In addition to that, we sharpened and focused that more by becoming a B Corp. We think that the B Corp movement is extremely important as it is a way for companies to start behaving better. And it's a way for companies to also have stakeholders and shareholders that understand that. One of the things we did is we set up a U.S. holding company so that we can diversify our shareholding to have more American investors. We'd really also like more Asian investors Ultimately, we'd like to have investors from all over the world and we'll also start running a crowdfunding program. A film that we're planning to do is something I just came back from. I just came back from Tuscany, where a friend of mine is setting up a large regenerative farm. 
it's a film that follows up on a film we already made about circular economy or regenerative economy. And regenerative economy is actually a business strategy with values that you can find in nature. So it's very much economic biomimicry. And to take that one step further, because our first film was called Going Circular, and our next film has the working title of Living Circular, the principal investor in the film has actually decided to walk the walk, which I love. So the process of making the first film led him to say, I'm just going to do it, which is exactly the kind of people we need. So there's this beautiful regenerative farm being created in Italy and the wonderful things they're doing, which is they're remembering the old and adjusting it to the new. So they're restoring these old wine presses and they're restoring their olive groves, but they're also adding science. If you're going to run a regenerative farm in Tuscany, you have very different circumstances nowadays from what you used to have. The guy who runs the harvest said, it's crazy, but I have to stop harvesting wine so that the next day I can start harvesting olives. He said the climate is completely deregulated. With all these very brief heavy rainfalls, we've got long drought and our entire system, our entire ecosystem has to adjust to that. We don't know what's going to happen. Imagine that. Imagine you're running a regenerative farm and you literally don't know what's going to happen. So those are the kind of realities of the filmmaking we're dealing with now. We need to do a project about Gen Z because nobody really knows who they are and what they want to say, but they are our most important voting contingent in the world and they're our fastest growing voting contingent in the world. So we have to do something about Gen Z. We have to talk about who they are and what they want. And there are things where I feel we need to include more African filmmakers in films about climate change. We need to include more Asian filmmakers in uh, films about loss of biodiversity. And we're working on all kinds of ways on how to do that. So it's really ambitious. And we couldn't do it if we didn't have a foundation by the side of Water Bear. We have a foundation called the Resilient Foundation. And we really rely on donations to that Resilient Foundation for us to be able to finance and deficit finance these documentaries that would otherwise not get made. But there is no option of not doing it because to bring back Gen Z into all of this, this is not about our future, it's about theirs. And they have no future unless we act. So why don't we help them? Why don't we build the stage, set the stage, put them in place so that they can continue the change that we've started? I think that's terribly important. And I think for that, impact has its own key performance indicators. They have nothing to do with whether or not your film has made its money back or whether your network is worth millions. It has everything to do with what you leave behind and what you're able to build. And I would much rather spend my time building something that has a lasting effect, a positive effect on future generations and on the way we cohabit on this planet than simply making a million more. But we cannot do this alone. We cannot rely on lobbies and politicians to do this all for us. We need to create the groundswell from the bottom up. We really need to feel responsible and we need to feel that we can achieve this by doing it together. Ellen Vindemute from the Water Bear Network. That brings us to the end of this episode of Changemakers. Thank you to Ellen for sharing her story and thank you for listening. 
Do check out Water Bear's films and award-winning documentaries at www.waterbear.com. They're free to watch and ad-free. Our next changemaker is Jessica Smith, Nature Lead at the United Nations Environment Programme Finance Initiative. Jessica is involved in pioneering work to support nature through collaborative partnerships between Indigenous and local communities and the global financial sector. I do hope you will join us next time. You've been listening to Changemakers with me, Katrina Oliphant, brought to you by Chrome Radio in collaboration with the Monthly Barometer. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe to the series wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.